everyone. Welcome to Black Boy Joy for our first episode of 2021 or 2021, however we're saying it. Uh, I'm Kieran. I'm joined by Ainsley. Oh, do you want to tell you to the girls? Happy New Year to you, Ainsley. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Happy New Year to you, Kieran. Um, we haven't actually spoken in person. Well, we're not in person, but... You haven't spoken like not properly. I yeah. haven't seen you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since since, since the new yeah. year has rolled around. What did we even do for New Year? Yeah. Me. Um. Let me. What did I do? So I was at home with my flatmates because we couldn't go home for Christmas, which we can get into in a bit. So mm-hmm. I couldn't go home for Christmas. So it was me and my flatmate here over the holidays. Um. We watched a movie. Uh. And I went out. To, I had a smoke. Came back inside. I think we, and then we watched some more TV and that was it. Literally, was nothing to do. Very anticlimactic. I was pretty much over it. I was pissed off that we couldn't go home for Christmas in the end. So the the festive period, it was, I mean, it was nice to not have to work or anything. Mm-hmm. But like with the absence of family and like friends from home, it was just a bit shit really, weren't it? But at least, yeah. we're, at least we're healthy. So what did you do? Did you not drink any Prosecco when, um, when it was, you know, the countdown? No, nah, we didn't do a countdown, you know. Um, <laughs> what's what's the point? It's, it's like I don't know. I think it's because uh, me and my flatmate, because we've been in lockdown for ages. It's like you just get used to being around the same person. Yeah. So we just didn't really feel like a special occasion at, at midnight on New Year's Eve. Um, yeah. I think we didn't do a countdown, but because we're quite essential, like we heard when the fireworks started going off, because a few people around let off some fireworks, so we just stared out the window, and then we saw um, the, odd, the odd group of people were running, because we're right in the centre, they were running towards the quayside, because um, usually along the quayside in Newcastle, they have a firework display every year. Um, but obviously that couldn't be done because it was tier four at the time. So I believe it was people just congregating there just for, you know, just to bring the new year like that. But we saw people, some people running outside the window because we're like two minutes from the quayside. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I mean, it was nice, I guess, like, as it can be in present circumstances. What did you get up to? Um, we had New Year's, um, me, my, so my boyfriend and I. It was it was mm-hmm. quite nice, actually. Like, we cooked some food. We had, um, had Prosecco, we had gin, we had wine. So... Um, no, all things considered, it actually wasn't. It wasn't that bad of a um, of a New Year's. It was. It was quite fun. Obviously, you like under normal circumstances, if it's um, New Year's, then we'd, we'd have like one big party. Bare people would be around. I remember yeah. one year, <laughs> um, we let off these um, confetti cannons in the house. And let me tell you, like if we let those confetti cannons off on the first of January. By like April that same year, we could we could still sit and um, find bits of confetti like um, in the floorboards and shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually mad. Well, um, you, um, well, you said that you didn't. Um, you didn't go back to Birmingham. Um, nope. Uh, I'm trying to think of the timeline because things have changed. Obviously, right now for anyone listening, it's Tuesday the fifth of December. So uh, we're in the first twenty four hours of national lockdown. Um, let me think. So Newcastle, we were tier three over Christmas. Um, but then it was that Saturday when the southeast and London um, got put to tier four. Mm. And for my immediate family, so there's nine of us um, and five people live in London. Yeah. And then out of the rest of the four of us, three are in Birmingham and there's me up in Newcastle. 
So we were like, well, if people are not allowed to travel, we were like, what's the point really? If, if less than half the family can go to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And also um, we were just worried about if people had like been exposed to the virus or anything like that. So we didn't want to mix or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as shit as it was, we all had a, like a big Zoom call, family um, group chat. And we just said, you know what, let's just meet at Easter or whenever it's safe to, which could be some time yet. But um, we'll just have to make it worthwhile when we, we can actually meet again. But yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying not to whinge too much because I know a lot of people are in, you know, crap circumstances because of Corona. But I think just because I haven't seen the family for like looking around at the year mark and I'm just being stuck up here. And like many others, I was really looking forward to going, I was really looking forward to going home for Christmas because mm-hmm. we were all waiting for Christmas. Like, that's, fine. that's the time we can finally travel home and like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you feel guilty about it. And then that was snatched away, you know, just yeah. in, the, in the name of safety. So yeah, I th- I'm nearly over it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nearly over it, you know. <laughs> But um, or, or besides that, I mean, it was it was a, it was a half decent Christmas. I think we um, we cooked up a Christmas dinner here. Um, it's just chill, watch some films, the usual stuff. Um, I'm I'm happy, but even though things haven't changed that much, I'm just happy that 2020 is no longer a thing. That that part of the calendar is, is banished into history now. Like I'm just so sick of those those numbers in that year. I'm just, you, you say that like, yeah. you say that key, but. We, like we're in 2021 now like usually when you go into a new year it's like oh you go into like a new room a new space like uh-huh. especially new but we're basically like, it's 2021 we're basically in the same room with the same furnishing the same old dead ghetto ass curtains <laughs> everywhere. exactly the same or worse in 2021 in, in this yeah. first few days anyway it's not a material difference but you know it's just i think just maybe it's a psychological thing i'm just glad that it's a new year um, I mean, it is 2020 volume two, but I prefer to think of it as, you know, just the new year. Have I, have I changed anything? I've got a bunch of resolutions, which I won't bore you with, but I'm trying to eat better. So from yesterday, I've been, had like, I don't want to say diet, but adjusted eating and it's, it's difficult already, Ainsley. Listen oh, here, man. It's hard. Uh, <laughs> our 2021 resolution should be to get you a man. That's what it should be. Do you think? Of course it should be. Like <laughs> a few podcasts ago, with um I gave you a challenge to download download hinge. Did you download I thought you forgot about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't you didn't mention it for a while. I thought, oh yeah, it slips, it slips away, it slips away. Um no, I haven't forgotten. I will go on it though. But I'm I'm just trying to focus on my health right now. You know what I'm like? Um I just want to get in shape. Like I can still, I can still chat to people and stuff. But it's just getting boring. It's the same faces like on all the location-based apps. So I'm at the moment. I'm just kind of. I'm pretty much over it. I'm just. I'm just. Re- I'm ready to leave the city, but I need to save up so I can move. Um, I'm here. So I, I feel like I'm some kind of purgatory. They have the location app, so you can talk to anyone from anywhere. <sighs> okay. <laughs> and I'm going to say on the on the podcast, there is someone that you know, that I know. Who is a very handsome, eligible bachelor who I've been encouraging you to talk to for a long time? Have you sent one? Have you sent this one DM yet? No. I feel like I'm more invested in getting you laid than you are, Q. <laughs> it's, it's all in good time, man. All in good time. I need my own pace. You know, I take long for that. How long am I going to have to wait here? I don't know how to quantify. <laughs> Just be patient, man. <laughs> patient? Are you mad? <laughs> 
How patient can I be? Uh, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll, don't worry, I'll, I'll let you know when I, when the deal goes it. But yeah, I'll, I'll download Hinge or whatever and put some photos on there. And, and now you're going to be sliding into any DMs, kid? I imagine so. Are you not? That is not. That is, that is not I usually, I usually do. To be fair, just that this one particular person hadn't done so. You, th- you said that you were going to. I know, and I didn't, I didn't have a deadline, did I? Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> I said I'd handle it, so I'm gonna handle it. Don't worry. It's if, fine. If um, if you if you haven't by our next podcast, then I'm gonna put you on blast again. Oh God! <laughs> All this pressure, man! All this pressure. <laughs> You ain't gonna. I I I, I know you keep. You don't put the pressure on. You ain't gonna do it. It's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, I'm setting your 2021 resolution for you. Yeah, get in shape. All that. Okay. Well, 2021 yeah. same thing is finding you a man. Okay. Cool. Well, moving on to other resolutions. So in shape. <laughs> um. I don't want to say I've started learning Spanish because I, th- I said I was, that was um, on the list. Mm-hmm. So I've ordered, like, I've got one, like, book to get me going already. Like, I'm waiting for another book in the post. We know we're second long. Um, and so I started looking at some YouTube videos yesterday, just starting with the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got kind of a head start because from already knowing French um, mm-hmm. and having looked at a few other languages as well. Um, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this journey or whatever um, and see how I get on. Uh, there was some talk amongst some of my friends about we wanted to do like a really trashy holiday like to somewhere really basic like fucking a Magaluf or somewhere like that we were talking about <laughs> the, like when we first spoke about like early 2019 I think it was um, but there's been renewed interest so we might be looking to do something like that in summer so I think oh that's you know I'll have some kind of target to use some Spanish or something but um, yeah if you learn Spanish I can um, we can practice yeah exactly we can be like language buddies or whatever um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm feeling more optimistic about things in general. Just just with this, um, literally with the fact of it being a new year, even though nothing's particularly changed that much. Or, um, or I'm just feeling, feeling a bit more positive worse. about stuff. Hmm? Or because it's gotten worse. It was worse now than it was in December. Do you mean from a um, like a lockdown, Corona, hospital admissions, yeah. death rate point of view? Of course, yeah. yeah. It is worse, but it's it's difficult to say it's about sounding selfish, but I think throughout all the different tiers and the different lockdowns, because of, like a lot of people, because I've just been staying at home for months on end, it doesn't feel, I feel a bit detached from the real shitstorm that's going on. Because yeah. even with different restrictions saying, oh, you can do this now, but you can't do this, or saying, oh, now, now everything's like, we've tightened restrictions across the board. It's like, I'm still just staying at home 90% of the time and then going out to do my food shopping and then go back indoors. Um, so it, I don't know it, I, I'm not feeling the doom and gloom so much because I, I haven't personally been affected by it touch wood but obviously I empathise with anyone who has been affected you know yeah. they've lost loved ones and stuff like that um, yeah. but yeah so we'll see how are you anyway? I'm fine how are you feeling this side of December 31st? that's me um, rolled in my eyes so like for when Daniel the first came up I mm-hmm. plan to do dry January and to try veganuary, however the hell you pronounce it. Oh, yeah, it wasn't working. Oh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> now that like now this um, national lockdown has been announced, I don't think I'm going to do either one of them. Like, I can't go anywhere or see anyone anyway. 
why am I going to deprive myself of the one thing that makes me happy? <laughs> no, I, I, no, I hear you. I, hear you. I, I heard some people joking about it on Twitter as well after Boris announced yesterday um, that basically it's lockdown again. Um, because, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're at home by yourself, that's already punishment. Well, not by yourself, but if you're just at home with nothing to do, it's already punishment enough that you have to stay indoors. Why are you going to add sobriety onto that? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, um, I think I must have told you, but like, uh, I don't know, I can say it's all personal here, but anyway, like for the past two months, I was like smoking every day. Like, well, I'll say every, not every day, but every night. So in the evening, like eight, nine, ten o'clock, I'd always have like, um, let's go out in the car and have a joint every mm-hmm. night. And I'm usually an occasional smoker, like, you know, everything in moderation, like don't overdo it. But I was just so bored from lockdown too at the start of November. And there was just nothing to do after a certain time. Mm-hmm. And it was just something to do, and I've um, I've finished my stash. I'm just like, nah, I need to have a break now and just not touch any for a while, yeah, because uh, it was getting a bit out of hand. It's like, I was like smoking out of boredom, and there were times when I thought, oh, you know, I don't have this. There's not kind of any. There's no kind of addiction problem going on here. But then when I tried to not have any, I was getting stir crazy. Like shit, so I was like, I really want to smoke. But yeah, um, yesterday, yesterday was day number one of not having anything. I'm not gonna lie, I had I had a cider instead. I was like, oh, that will. <laughs> So I need to, I, like, I need to feel something, even if it's a minor buzz. But I, I feel a bit more stable today. Okay, so, yeah. so you need to, um, you need to set yourself a goal. So, if you're doing this, how long mm-hmm. do you do it for? Um, I'm just thinking. So the the goal is to go back to my previous uses, which was just maybe about once every couple of months or something like that. Once every couple of months. It varies, so it's, it's hard to say. I think if I averaged, let me think, let me think. If I took a 12-month period of time and worked at how many times I smoked in that period of time, it probably was, it's either once every two months or once every month over the course of a year. Yeah. But then you have, you have times where, you, where, well, again, essentially that went downhill in 2020. 2020 was a wild year. So yeah. from, from April, May, the frequency went right up and then I stopped for ages. And from like September onwards, it crept back up yeah. until November when it just became a nightly thing, which for the first time ever, that's the, I've never like smoked on a nightly basis for any extended period of time at all. Maybe for like three or four days in a row here and there. Yeah. Um, and as enjoyable as it was, I kept thinking like, you know, I'm not really in control here. Um, and then recently, like sort of Christmas, like when I was doing it, I was thinking to myself, I was like, this isn't really fun anymore. I'm just doing it because it's a routine now. And it was at that point I was thinking, like, I need to back off now. I'd, right. You know, um, in that case, then, you should do your own. I mean, it won't be completely dry dry January, high January, or <laughs> high January. That's what I should do now instead, yeah, flip the script. <laughs> no, no high January. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, but I think that, obviously... I think if you want to, if you want to feel like you've got a major control over it, then you should give yourself a certain amount of time to not do it mm. in, and then um, yes, and then once like if you complete that time, you don't do it, then you can think about how you felt when you when you weren't doing it. Like, did you feel like oh, I really wanted it? Did you not miss it? Like, did you miss it a bit too much and stuff like that? And that's, mm. that's how yeah, you for it. I think maybe a month is a good one to start off with. So early Jan to early Feb, and then see how I feel. Yeah, in our group chat, um, it was always really obvious that um, when you were high, 
was because you'd start talking about Tyler the Creator. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Listen, I, I've i still got a lot more of his music to get through, but I I've, I've, I first listened to Tyler the Creator in, I think it must have been 2017? No, 2018, tell her, 2018. I listened to him here and there, I thought, oh, he's really, really good. And then over the last few months, I've started listening to him more. Mm-hmm. I've been like, like, this is really like right up my street as, as, the, uh, as the phrase goes. Um, but yeah, I don't want to become a typical Tyler the Creator stan or whatever. Um, you know, each each kind of like fandom has kind of a stereotypical character. I can't quite pin it with Tyler the Creator, but I do think there is a certain type of person that likes his music. Um, which again, it's not fully formed in my head, but I, I think it does exist definitely. But uh, yeah, it's, it's obvious when I was high anyway, because I, I just talk about random things. Or I just share whatever musical I was listening to at the time, and it could be anything. I, I remember I shared a, um, an Islamic call to prayer once the other day. Because <laughs> it sounded it sounded so beautiful, literally. Like I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, so I just put, put it in the group chat. And then there's another one the other day. I was it's some like Romanian folk choir as well. It just sounded amazing. <laughs> and, and I get people be like, "What the hell are you listening to?" I'm thinking, but this is really good. Listen to it, please. It sounds really good. Like. Um... <laughs> I reckon if you made, like, if you shared your, like, high playlist, you'd get some traction on it. Oh, to be fair, I do have one. Um, I might need to, like, take a few things from there, but usually, if I'm smoking, I like to listen to 90s R&B and hip-hop, because that just hits so better, so good, mm-hmm. so good. Um, yeah. Especially 90s hip-hop. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like... I don't know if I'm gonna throw a massive disclaimer. I can't remember the exact science, but I, I feel like I think um, that cannabis activates a part of your brain which is responsible for like sort of old childhood memories. Like nostalgia. I think. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm making that up or if I read it somewhere or if I'm getting confused with something else. But I always tend to remember things from when I was really young, and I think that's why listening to like '90s music really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm high. Because it feels like I've gone back in time. It's really weird. I think I yeah. think that that's the feeling I was addicted to. To be fair, it was just um, the nostalgia, the kind of like uh, hankering after like simpler, more innocent times. Yeah. And it's like you could literally just smoke and you, and you'd be, tra- be transported back to that. But of course, that's not healthy. It's not healthy to be trying to re- recreate that every single day. Yeah. Um, and also, like it just depletes your motivation for stuff. Like mm-hmm. the whole day was geared like from when I get up in the morning I felt a bit groggy from the night before the whole day was kind of leading up to when I'm gonna get high tonight so I'd, I'd do what I needed to do like take care of tasks and stuff but it was just because I thought oh you know you do this you get your reward at the end of the day yeah um, yeah so it was interesting but I yeah I need to slow it down so um but putting that on pause for a while which is good I feel positive about it and um I feel I'm starting to feel in control already it's only been two days which is good. Fair enough. On your point about, um, you know, like 90s R&B, yep. like uh, my boyfriend is from Spain. Uh-huh. He's never heard of 90s R&B before, has he? He never heard of Aaliyah. What? <laughs> <laughs> because Aaliyah, Aaliyah was like, she had a fair bit of mainstream success like in late 90s, early 2000s, I think, especially. I, I right. think that's to us that she had like big, big success. 
I mean, he's like he's, he's from a different country for starters, and like a bit of like a bit of different generation. So he's just like not I on guess... the at all. Well, a lot of a lot of the artists, like especially R and B, and around that time, like they had success. Obviously, definitely in the US and the UK. Although our like on Billboard Hot 100 and also our singles charts, um, and some in Europe as well. But I wouldn't know how big Aaliyah was in Spain, particularly. Yeah, um, exactly. But she's she's not unknown, of course. But it's just, it just depends. I think a lot of European countries and also countries around the entire world too. They listen to a lot of English speaking music just because of America and yeah. its dominance. Um, so I wouldn't know. I mean, I don't think I'm shocked he doesn't know her music, to be fair, I guess. I don't think he, did, he didn't know who she was. Oh. Um, I don't think how famous she was. She was she was definitely known to most black people, definitely. And then she I'm passed sure in 2000... She passed in 2001, I think. It was, it was not too long after 9-11 or not too long before 9-11, something like yeah. that. Or was it 2002? It was 2001 or 2002, anyway. Right, I'm going to um, You've got your phone, okay. okay. Shall I have a look? Yeah, I have a look. Phone's hand. Uh, it was 2001 or 2002. And I think she was 22 when she passed as well. It was I think 23. All right, there we go. Yeah. So 16th of January, 1979 to 25th of August, 2001. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember it was not too long before uh, 9 11. So, yeah, that's mad that is. So, like. I miss, but, I th- but I think she would have basically. She was relatively famous but I think she would have been a superstar if she lived for longer I yeah think. of course if you're gonna show if you're not gonna say like one song to introduce Aaliyah what would it be I'm trying to think of that oh one um I would probably have to go with are you that somebody from the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack um I Timberland that, but I was thinking that's a bit too like R&B kind of I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was gonna say too black, yeah. It's one of those that we all know, but I'm, I'm not sure. Like, like, I wouldn't drop it at a house party up here, for example, because I'd be, yeah. I, I know the things like, oh, what's this? Like, do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> that's happened so many times, ain't it? Seriously. Um, what, uh, what, what are like most of the '90s stuff, like sort of mid, like early to mid '90s stuff, is very R&B-ish. Um, I'm thinking it should be like you know try again. I try again. Yeah. More than a woman. But that yeah. Like, See, more than a woman. More than a woman is probably her mo- one of the best known songs. I think like to a more general audience. I think I would say more than a woman definitely. Try again for anyone who was li- like youngish around that time because it was um, on the Roman Must Die soundtrack. Yeah. And it had a uh, is it Jet Li? What's his name? Yeah. Jet, Jet Li in the music video. Try again. Gabrielle Union in that in that movie. Sorry? Gabrielle Union's in it as well, is in the movie. Oh, she's in everything though, isn't she? Um I literally haven't watched that since it came out all those years ago. It's not a good um, movie. It's not a good movie at all. <laughs> yeah. I think it's more of the nostalgia, isn't it? Because it's Alina's like main role in it. Yeah. Um I think they would be her biggest songs, like the ones like More Than Woman and Try Again. But obviously all the stuff from the nineties, like um, Obviously, we're not allowed to talk about age. Ain't nothing but a number, are we? Because yeah. of who, who produced yeah. it? Like, <laughs> it's actually a really good conversation to have because I was. Well, I've been wondering this. Obviously, R. Kelly is a monster mm-hmm. and he's cancelled as he should be. But does this mean that we can't listen to any of Aaliyah's music? I'll be listening to her music regardless. I think. 
I think it's fair to say, oh, I'm not listening to any R. Kelly's music. That's, that's fair. But to say I'm not listening to anything he produced when the artist in question is innocent, that's too far. I'm, 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 I'm not going to be abstaining from her music or anything like that because he might have produced this track or that album. Um, I thought no way about that at all. I don't, I'm not sure what your opinion is for you. <laughs> well, I, 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 I don't really, I don't have an opinion. Like, I don't know. I don't listen to AJ, nothing about a number now because it makes me uncomfortable. But I remember I, um, I put on uh, Back and Forth mm-hmm. on, my, um, on my Instagram, on my um, Insta story. And um, someone was like dragging me because <laughs> I put it on. Who was it? Anyone I know or someone else? It's someone you know, yeah. You know, you know who it is? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'll, t- well, I'll tell him to fuck off. <laughs> I feel like he was joking, to be fair. He wasn't, be- he wasn't being serious. I was going to say, that sounds a bit out of character for me. Yeah, he wasn't uh, being serious. Okay. It's something, something I've been thinking about, man. That like, yeah. It, 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 and also, like, I feel like with R. Kelly, I could be wrong. This again, this is an unscientific observation, but his name is Dirt amongst Black community in the UK and the US, understandably. Yeah. However, up here, I've heard people put his music on at house parties. I've heard his music on several clubs as well. All after all the um, the thing came out. Really, and these um, yeah, and I feel like there's a kind of detachment from like his non-black audience in certain places yeah. where he his music wasn't taboo. Like I'd still hear ignition on a regular basis, like out and about, and no one and like it's like a lot of people I know appeared. It's like they weren't aware of what had been going on, or they were just very they knew like maybe bare minimum details and thought it was not a big deal or something. Yeah. Um, whereas I know, especially all the black people I know or on black twitter as well like his name is mud like people don't fuck with his music at all um mm. it's an odd one though i don't know but surviving r kelly is on netflix it's on there t- where did i watch it i watched it on some like bootleg website when what? it first oh, came no. out it's online on yeah. Premiere, that's what, that's what that was it yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's where i saw it yeah it was so long it was like in six different parts wasn't it and the computer kept buffering and stuff um, yeah it was in, it was, um they released them in, in double bills so they released um, them two episodes at a time oh right okay after each episode I had to take a break after it because man like the stuff in in the in those um, documentaries was horrendous horrendous yeah I don't know what the uh, the status is of his legal proceedings are um, yeah. but I know he's He's not getting. He's not. He's not escaping this time. I don't think. Um, no, yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. It's not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, and um, I'm just really happy that the victim got their chance to speak out as well, and speak yeah. out for everyone to actually hear them. I also feel like, like I don't. I hate getting into this topic too deep, but I just know that there's other many others who have oh, not had their day in court yet, and. Definitely. There's just, I know, like, we know about in Hollywood, the music industry, anything to do with entertainment, there's just a lot of sleazy and dodgy. There's probably pedophilia, pedophilia rife everywhere as well. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Madness. But I think that's, that's been a good thing from, I think it started with the Me Too movement, didn't it? Just the unveiling of all the, like, the nastiness that was going on. And yeah. People have been coming forward after a long time after the abuse has happened and they've been finally able to speak up about it. Yeah. It's been good. Well, because the Me Too movement was started like years and years before um, all that happened. 2013, I want to say, or something like that anyway, I don't know. Right. So I can't remember the exact date, but um, the Me Too movement was started by a black woman, Tawana Burke. 
Right, yeah. And she started it for basically for for survivors, survivors of like I think it was like physical like um, physical abuse, physical and sexual abuse, for mm-hmm. them to be able to like share their stories and like get help and support in a safe space. But then yeah. one it, after um, you know the Harvey Weinstein scandal when the New York Times basically like um, they did that piece exposing him. All the all the ladies came together, right? I think. Or... Yeah. Yeah, and then that's when it um basically that's when it um it got traction when basically like white white actresses were using that were using the hashtag, mm-hmm. and now it's now it's a thing like it's in public lexicon now. But it wouldn't have been yeah. there if it hadn't have been for that Toronto birth and all the work that she did previously. Yeah, I feel was she in the Surviving R Kelly documentary? She was. Yeah, she was. I was gonna say yeah, and I'm not sure if it was her specifically. It might have been. But there were definitely people like Me Too placards who were going to R. Kelly concerts and venues yeah. and protesting outside. And and people were just going in like, no, like not caring, just going to see R. Kelly. And they were just like, you know, he needs to be exposed. Yeah. Well, so, there was the hashtag. I even saw the hashtag mute R. Kelly before like cancelling him became like a real thing. And mm-hmm. one of the parents of, you know, um, Aziel Clary, she's the girl that like was a singer. I went into a hotel room. Went into the hotel with R. Kelly and never saw her parents again. Oh, was she? Wait. Oh, see, so I watched it so long. No, is she the one where they tried to track her down and it's like she was in some building and she wouldn't come out or something? And they were. Oh no, it, not her. What's her? No, I think you, you are, I think you're right. Yeah. Like it wasn't quite a stakeout, but they were like, we know she's in there. Like she wouldn't come out. It's like she vanished off the face of the earth. She just didn't want to see them. Yeah, it was like some hardcore brainwashing, grooming. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty sinister. It is. Yeah, but her parents took her to a took her to an R. Kelly concert, and that was after all of the allegations, after um, the court case, after everything, and they brought the girl backstage and left uh, left her there alone with him. And then the next day, she went to a hotel, uh, hotel where R. Kelly was, and she, and and that's and that's where she went. Yeah. Oh god, it's absolutely bonkers. I'm just thinking now how, when is it Gail King who's doing who, who interviewed him after he'd just been arrested? Yeah, yeah. And just like, if I'd not seen that documentary, I would have thought he was being set up because the man can lie, you know. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> I, he's he's really convincing. I only I only was calling bullshit on what he was saying because I've seen the documentary and I've seen how thorough the investigation had been and the research had been. Yeah, but he was very convincing when he was like almost in tears and saying that he's been set what up. In tears? That, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, he, and he, I don't know. It's, it's scary and not when there are people out there that can lie like that. Yeah, I'm gonna go after we finish. I'm gonna go and look up to see what's currently going on with him and his uh, legal situation. Yeah, so I'd forgotten about it with all the um, you know the events of 2020. Yeah, <laughs> I think everybody, I think everybody has to be going to be. Once everyone's mm. back and healthy and good again, um, the, um, the fires also will, will start <laughs> again. Oh, exactly. Yeah, we'll find something to occupy our time, you know, in, the, mm. in, the, in this swamp. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> believe it or not, we had a top. We had a topic of conversation for this um, this podcast. We that did. Was- <laughs> 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 um, so basically, we had the idea. Um, it's, we know it's been a year now since we've um, started Black Boy Joy podcast, 
And with this wildness of 2020, everything that's happened, we thought it'd be a good idea for us to like revisit the first ever episode that we did. The first question that we asked each other was, um, what does being QPLC mean to you? Because I feel like I, I actually listened to, I listened back to the podcast episode that we did way back yeah. on the 19th of December again. And what 20, I thought, 2019, yeah. 2019, sorry, yeah. And what I what I felt then, and what I think now, are just different. Are, they've they've evolved. I wouldn't say they've completely changed, but they've definitely evolved since then. I don't even remember what I said in that episode because it's the very first one we did, isn't it? I yeah. I don't... <laughs> That's mad. I don't have to listen to it afterwards now. Um, definitely. So, um. I think, well, to start with, the phrase QPRC is one that um, I probably would be less inclined to use now than I would then. Dash it out the window, dash it out the window, <laughs> I'm not using it anymore. No, 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 it's black, black, blackity black, nothing else. <laughs> um, I, would, I would say that I personally still do use the term. Because, like, if we, like, split, split the two things up first of all, so there's the Q bit, the queer bit, which I'll come back to in a minute. But the whole personal mm-hmm. colour thing, I still still think does have some use. Because there are things that like there are things in our society, especially living in the UK, or if you mm-hmm. live in the US, or if you're uh, like in if you are not white but you live in a predominantly white society that affects everyone who isn't white. So I do think yeah, okay. the term has has some use. I use it as a and also not not even just QPLC, but PLC in general as a term. I use it as a very surface level descriptor. I use it if I'm just literally explaining the facts or I'm just, if I'm just referring to people who are not white, I will say people of colour. But if I'm going into any further details, I'm trying to say things that affect people of colour. Yeah. I'll be much I'll be much more inclined to be more specific. I'll say, oh, it affects black people or it affects black and Asian people. Um, PLC... I know it might sound a bit cliche now, but like the PLC solidarity term again—that's something I just, I just don't really believe in that term. It's just—it's very woolly, and it doesn't have enough nuance in it about how different communities within the non-white community are treated. Yeah. So I just, as as a term, and obviously it's kind of half being replaced by BAME now as well, which which annoys me even more. That term, I just uh, that's in again, the UK. I'll, that's that's in the UK, isn't it? Yeah, it's BAME here. Then is it BIPOC in America? B-I-P-O-C. I've heard that, yeah. I just yeah. wish I... Black and, indi- Black and Indigenous, I think. People of colour. I think it yeah. sounds for. I just... Um, like, they're useful here and there, but they they just further normalise whiteness and then everyone else is lumped into one basket of other. Yeah. As well as that. So I will use them as like sort of surface level descriptors, but in general, I just I like to be as specific as possible when I'm talking about different groups or different demographics. Yeah. When we so it's interesting because like when we first started like Black Boy Joy podcast, obviously it's like black boy, like so it's um a black podcast or whatever. But I think at the time, back in 2019, I was in a in a space where I didn't want it to just like, even though we're black people, we think got black issues, I didn't want it to feel like just a podcast or a platform that's just for black people, that's black people only. Uh-huh. So I guess I was thinking about the term in that way. But um, the reality is that 
we're two black men, we're two um, black gay men who exist in, in the UK. And I think what has happened is that, like, we've just concentrated on things that have, like, uniquely affected black people. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like the, the, um, the way that we live, which I'm not, I'm not sad about at all, to be honest with you. Mm. And obviously, like, yeah, like, from our branding to our name to everything, it's outwardly black. But I remember at the time when we were recording it, I was thinking, like, our personal colour, just to make it seem as if we were, like, all-encompassing, kind of, and, like, trying to include everyone which I still think we I, I think we do yeah I think we do as well and it's interesting because I I don't like the POC term in general but we've always been open to having all sorts of guests on our podcast I, I've never thought oh if we have a guest on our podcast they have to be black like, like, I don't think either of, either, of, either of us has ever thought that at all yeah um, but I think the title came because it was somewhat catchy and it's who we are personally. I've, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, if we're talking about experiences, it's gonna start with our own personal experiences, which yeah. are affected by being black. I remember um, when I was like dating this guy, dating a white guy, um, and he used the term a lot. And this was before, like, this was, this was before, like, on social media, on like Twitter, there was like a big pushback. Um, about like us being labelled in those terms. And I remember being really yeah. uncomfortable about it. Not really uncomfortable actually, just uncomfortable about it, but not really being able to verbalise why. Yeah. So I just went with it, to be honest with you. And cause what, like QPLC or just or just PLC like QPLC. What, what was it? Right. Yeah. I remember yeah, I remember just going with it. Even yeah, like now I think like I think to myself like rather being sort to pick me, man, and I should have just said like straight then. Like, I'd refer to it to be called black. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, yeah, then. like, like I would never like PLC. It shouldn't be used for like individuals, should it? Should be. You shouldn't know, no. If you just talk, if you're talking about large groups or like, you know, you're talking about demographics, and I understand it, but I would never describe myself as a person of color. I'm black and I'm gay, like, and I'm British. Like, it's, those are like the first three things I guess that would come into my head. I don't think oh, I'm a person of color. It just doesn't. I think it's a bit silly, I think, on an individual basis to use that term. Yeah. Because, um, again, it kind of, it makes, it's like, it really reinforces white being the default and then I'm I'm in the other box or something like that. It's, it's just a bit weird to me. I would just say exactly what I am, which is black. Yeah. But, and I also think that, like, when we use term, especially that term as descriptors for an individual person, or an, or like um, a monoracial or monoethnic group to call them them people of color. It's like centering. It's like centering whiteness because you know how they mm. get like uncomfortable with like just calling them black or identifying. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's something that they something that like white people do to try and like, like a lot of people. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I feel like um, many people. I don't want to generalize, but it's like they think saying the word black is bad or they feel uncomfortable saying it and they think maybe it's an awkward thing to say out loud but it sometimes context can be a factor but in general like we are black people yeah I like to be referred to as a black person mm. <laughs> it's, it's just as simple as that really but there's nothing wrong with saying black I agree with but you it's context it's context dependent if it's like do you remember did you see the whole David Starkey Darren Grimes thing a few months ago I saw he, it yeah 
when yeah. he said, "Oh, he's, he used the phrase so many damn blacks." Yeah, and obviously, most people called out and said, "No, you can't be saying that. That's racist." And other people tried to defend it, saying, "Oh, you know, we didn't mean that." I'm thinking, "Well, how did he mean it?" Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the context of the conversation either, but it wasn't. Yeah, it, like even a con, even context, it was racist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Like, there was even even with a very charitable interpretation, like you can't really get away from <laughs> what he was really what he was really getting at. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. And I wish you'd listen to the episode to the episode back now. Um. In the when we were in it before, we didn't actually. We only spoke. We didn't speak about the racial aspect of it, so we never spoke about that bit at all about um, the whole personal color thing. That that wasn't hmm. that we um, wasn't the line of question that we went down. We focused more on the cute bit, on the queer bit, on like the um, queerness aspect of it. Mm. And like you were saying that I was like that was our very very first podcast episode, and we were um, talking about like how we identify themselves, um, what queer is, and like um, what is like what is the sense of community? Do we feel like we're part of a community? Mm. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. It's coming back to me, and because the question was, what does being a QPLC mean to you? Yeah, um, and I'm, I must have mentioned about, about the fact of you're gay, but when you think of gay culture, it's like you don't feel like you naturally have a place within that. Well, mainstream gay culture is it's just very white, really, isn't it? And it's also yeah. it's not so much the racism; it's also white. I don't want to say camp, but it's. It's about clubbing, being young, partying. That's what people think immediately when they, when they think of gay culture, gay um, mainstream gay culture, or it would be like sort of gay football or rugby teams, something like that. And these aren't really things I think of when I think, oh, you know, what does being gay, what does being gay mean to me, for example. Yeah. Um, I think we touched on this when we were speaking to Jarrell last episode. Um, I'm sure we mentioned that you know we need to. It's up to us to kind of like bolster our community as it were as what well, black gay men and yeah. we've mentioned this to someone else was it g-day not g-day it was i can't remember there's one one of the previous guests that we've had we've been speaking about um is there a kind of oh, who was going to bother me that with who was we talking about that? it was with speaking to that? that oh right yeah it was yeah when we were talking about is there a is there like a black gay uk culture for example yeah and we think there kind of is but it doesn't feel solid enough in my head I'm thinking well you know it's up to us to change that I guess. Here's a question for you then so in comparison to to the end of 2019 to now do you feel like you're any more part of like a queer community or a gay community or anything? Um, um, I'm trying to, I don't want to give like a, a lukewarm answer, but I, I, I maybe I'd say yes, I, I guess, but not as much as I could be. As in like maybe I could have put more steps into being it, into doing that. And I think it's just from the guests we've had on the podcast, people that I've discovered or been exposed to on social media, for example. But that's all virtual stuff. I think due to location, a, a big part of it is obviously most 2020 and now it's been spent sort of, you know isolated away on the other end of the country. Um, but I would like to see evidence of a community within my social circle, which hasn't really happened. It's all like people I know online or interact with via social media, but not in, you know, face-to-face, day-to-day interactions. 
Yeah. So I feel like I'm maybe halfway there, but it's not the real deal. How do you feel about it um, for yourself? So um, in when we started doing Black Boy Joy podcast, I would have said that I didn't feel like I was, I was really part of a community. I didn't, I didn't know anyone. Um, yeah, and now my feelings have changed. So I would say that I do feel like I was part of like a, a community, a gay community, a black gay community, if you will. And yeah. that is because of doing the podcast. And I think like um, you do mention that like a lot of our interactions with people have been virtual. They mean that like we've had that we've only been able to talk like via Zoom or texting or on Instagram or doing networking and things like that. But in the year that we've had, we haven't really had another choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the um, if the opportunity was available to us, we would have um, we would have met these people in person. We would have gone out. We've gone out. We would have like made face to face things. But we've had to all just stay in the house, practically mm-hmm. for practically for the majority of a year now. So I think like with the like with the time, space, resource, and circumstances we've been in, I don't know what more we could do really. Which is a fair point. Yeah, definitely. Um, One thing I would say is that like. Um, obviously, we've had like quite a few guests now. We've had like maybe got getting double figures. It must be about ten, I think. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, and we've had like quite yeah. a few guests. I've gotten to know like a few people, like, like I said, in London, in around London and the UK, who are like mm. black and queer or black and gay or whatever their sexual um, queer to say that. And I mm. think like I get along with them. I speak now and again, but I wouldn't say. Um, I'm not necessarily friends with them. Mm. And then, like, I don't, like, um, only at, like a certain, a really few, like, really few people I actually like talk on a personal, on a personal level with. And yeah. I think I want to change that. So, like, with everyone that we've spoken to, everyone that like we've had on the podcast, and sometimes spoken for hours on end with them, and we've yeah. gotten on really long. And then, like, after that, it's kind of like almost been radio silence. Yeah. I think, again, that is partly due to the, the distance aspect of things. I think it's hard. It's much easier to maintain a relationship virtually than sort of to create a new relationship virtually, I think. Yeah. Um, so it, it would, I don't know. It's, in my head, it feels like a kind of a suspension. So we've met people. Obviously, can't really meet them in real life for the time being. I always think, you know, when we are allowed back outside, <laughs> then yeah. we can pick up off, or we can pick up from where we left off. I kind of thought that in my head. But I do crave that kind of face-to-face interaction or, like, you know, creating a, a like proper relationships and friendships. I, I am craving that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, one thing is, um, we've had conversations about this before, Keith, but I take, um, I think I take... A, uh, a different meaning slightly to the word friend than other people. I know some, some of my friends mm. back here I've had debates with. But like, there's some people who would consider friends that I wouldn't necessarily say were a friend of mine. And when if you say that you're not friends with someone, <laughs> people always say, we always yeah. think that you don't like them. Which yeah, is, like a stab in the heart or something. <laughs> <laughs> which, is not, which is not the case with me. But there are people who I say that wasn't that like, I'm not I don't think I'm friends with that person, but I like them a lot, and there is mm. like a really good potential for um for us to be friends. That if like if I don't if I don't feel like I have a personal relationship with you, but I don't feel like I know you on like a personal level, not going in your life, we don't talk like one on one, 
then I don't think we're friends. Yeah. No, it's true. I think we have the same approach, but we use these different terminology. Because I think for you, like, the, the term friend should be sparingly. Yeah. Whereas for me, I use friend, but I have, like, a tier system. And also, I'm going to say, I, I had this tier system ahead before the coronavirus tiers. I wasn't, like, inspired by that. But, like, <laughs> obviously, tier one is, uh, you know, friends I've known for a long time who can trust. I've possibly met the family or they've met my family. Yeah. Um, and I could tell them if I had a problem, I wouldn't mind telling them, like, you know, my kind of most private secrets and stuff. Yeah. So those, those are friends. They're in the small supply. Tier two is friends that I feel warm to them. We get along well. Um, but maybe there are certain topics of conversation I wouldn't bring up to them. Maybe we don't know each other as thoroughly as I think. We don't, oh, we don't know each other like thoroughly, thoroughly, but we know each other well enough and there is a, a certain level of trust. Tier three is merely acquaintances, as in people that I'm on friendly terms with them, but if we all of a sudden start talking, um, I probably wouldn't even notice. Or they're people that I have, the tier two friends will have other friends who I'll get to know, right. but they'll be tier three because they're just yeah. friends of friends, and they're kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say disposable because it's not really nice to talk about people like that. In fact, that's an awful word to use. They're kind of. I've been a bit indifferent towards them, but I'm. But we're still on friendly terms. Yeah. So yeah, three tiers. Um, but obviously that could be simple by just saying we'll do what you do, which is saying a friend is you know my tier one, and everyone else is some kind of acquaintance. <laughs> oh, I would say so for you. So if we're going by your tiers. For me, I would say that a friend will start at tier two. So if you're tier two and above, then I could say that I'd say you were a friend of mine. If you're someone that I know, like, um, yeah, someone that I know that I would meet, like, one-on-one, I'd go for a drink with you, just me and you, and, mm. like, I'd be interested, you'd be interested in things to do with me and my life and the things that we're doing, you know, just, like, chat or joke or whatever, then I'd say yeah. mine. But, yeah. I like I used to have a I used to have a really stupid rule um rule rubric. I used to say that um if you don't know my last name, if you don't know a parent's name, if you don't know my number, then we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the parents one is a bit strange, but I think um let me think. When you say numbers, if your numbers aren't saved in the phone, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, if if I don't have someone's number, then. We're not and it can't be from a group chat either. Like we, we would have had to act. We would have had to actively exchange numbers. Like we can't be in a big yeah, group chat. Like a and you've and you've just yeah. and you've just taken a number from the big list or anything. That doesn't count. Yeah. So no, yeah. we're doing that. I think that's a. I like that. That's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that one needs some work. I don't think there were there were good friends of mine. I don't think they'd be able to name my parents. Name who my parents were. No, do you know my parents' names? I do, yeah. I had to think then, yeah. I knew I was just, it's just a case of recording them. But you've not met my parents, have you? I've I never guess. met them, no. Um, never once. No. He, he has to be fair. Out of, um, it's a general thing, though. I, I can only think of one friend who's met my parents, and that's only been briefly. And they also, with this friend, it was an orchestrated meet. It was, we were out and about, and we bumped into my dad. And then the friend was at my house, like, was, we were just chatting outside in the summer, just outside the front of the house, then my dad pulled up again. And I don't think they've met my mum. But it's not... Hold on. Is this Shay? Yeah. Okay, yeah, go on. Yeah, okay. Um, it's not... I haven't withheld them or anything. I think maybe it's just... I perhaps haven't crossed... I think I haven't had people around to my house, but I mean, it's probably just that, really. 
Yeah. Um, obviously, any of the tier one friends I'd happily um, meet, take to meet my parents, though, I'd say. I'm thinking about this now. I feel like there's some tier 1.5s who are like... <laughs> <laughs> They're just friends, but I wouldn't necessarily think, oh, yeah, I want you to meet my parents. Oh, it's getting messy. <laughs> yeah. But some people I find that, like... I don't know. Like some people's parents you see all the time, and some people you just like never met, you've never met before. It can be, it can be, it can depend on how sociable they are as well, and and also just how likely they are to have visitors. Because with my family, we didn't really have too many visitors growing up, unless unless they were from church, and that was always sort of when we were a bit younger. Yeah. Because I know other people, they've got everyone coming through the house all the time, but they can they can have their child can know someone like very loosely and they're happy for them to just roll up in the house. Um, that wouldn't work in my family. Like it's like, if you come into the house, like, you know, it's because you know someone there properly. Yeah. We wouldn't that, just have that, anyone, from, anyone from off the people. street. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's not going to be working. Just, um, have, have yeah. a, any, any older person just all up in the house. Like, absolutely not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Someone, someone they've just met or something. Like, also the idea of, um, you know, when you think of like door to door salespeople, which you don't get many of in Hansworth, where, where I'm from in Birmingham. Like, the idea of someone knocking on the door, trying to sell you something, get you signed as a charity, and you being like, like oh, yeah, come in and, and put the kettle on, thinking that is. Yeah. It's not a Hansworth thing, like, <laughs> so, yeah, it just would, it's just very strange, isn't it? We don't get any trick or treats in that area either, but like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, why are you knocking on the door on Halloween for? I just love all these little cultural differences within Britain, it's uh, yeah, makes me chuckle. <laughs> there are loads of them, like, loads and loads of them. Have you ever eaten Todden Hall before? No, I know what it is, but well, I think I know what it is. I haven't had it before. I've never had it before I, either. It, um, I didn't know what it was. in the hole, you know. I didn't know what it was until I went to uni. So it's a uh, Yorkshire put with a sausage? Yeah, sausage in the middle, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I just... We've... See, oh... It sounds... I don't know if I want to get into this topic, but... You and I have discussed this, the um, the esteemed Sunday roast before, haven't we? Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I, f- I feel like I'm in a safe space here, but I do feel like it can be good. But as a whole, as an institution, it's very much overrated. And the way I've heard certain people rave about it, I've just been like, "Well, you don't know good cuisine." Like, um... <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like if you go to a really nice restaurant, I think a Sunday roast is you know can be very nice, but for me. I've never been blown away to the point where I think, oh, I want to have this as a treat or, or I thought, it, you know, it warrants having on a regular basis. I yeah. felt, I've, I've thought it was good, but like, you know, a solid good, but it hasn't, I've never been like, oh my God, it's amazing. I really want to leave a big tip. Um, yeah. The Sunday Roast has never inspired those like feelings of um, adoration in me. Uh, so yeah, oh. I, feel like, I feel like I can say that here, but that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I will go on record and say that I like Sunday roasts. I enjoy I enjoy having them. Like okay. a good one. So, and yeah, um, I should I should specify a good one. Not with a spoon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem with um with Sunday roast is that one, we've had we've all had there's so many bad there's horrible when the meat is dry and bland mm. there like trying to cut up that beef. 
and exactly. uh, my friend do nothing to it. Yeah. Like, too many of those. And like you know, there were some people, some like of our Caucasian, uh, Caucasian brethren them. You used to have like their family had a Sunday roast every single week, every mm. week, every Sunday. The, um, their mom yeah. was over the over the stove of uh, cooking that roast dinner. That's too much. But every once in a while, it's nice. It's good. Um, roast potatoes, good, good well cooked to me. Good roasted mm-hmm. root vegetables, the potatoes, the carrots, the parsnips. Um, good homemade gravy. None of that. Um, none of that beef star bullshit. Yeah, powder with the water chopped. Yeah. <laughs> none of that. It's, again, it's still. Um, it will never blow my mind though. Call me picky. Now I can get behind traditional French like pub cuisine, like a brasserie. Yeah. Now I I hold like French brasserie food in high esteem, and they blow British like sort of traditional pub food out of the water. I personally think I don't care if anyone wants to fight me. That's how I feel. What but, is um, traditional? What is traditional? I eat traditional French like. Like it's brasserie food, but I guess it would be we we call it pub food here. But um, so roast meats would be chicken or beef, and also like you know, well done beef isn't a thing there. Well, it is, but you know, you it's just it's frowned upon. I think everyone knows that. Um, chicken, beef, for your sides you'd have like um, vegetables like sort of uh, green beans. Um, sometimes I saw like a bean casserole. You have a you know gratin dauphinois, the, the thinly sliced yeah. potatoes yeah. in cream, and sometimes Gruyere cheese as well. Yeah. Um, sometimes anduit sausage, which that's an acquired taste. That that sausage is kind of not. Qu- is it the sheep's intestine it's from? Anyway, that's an acquired taste. That's not like the traditional thing you see. Um, potatoes, like just just well cooked veg and veg that hasn't been overcooked either. Yeah. I'm sure I'm missing. I'm sure I'm missing some things off there. Any traditional desserts like creme brulee um, or a nice tart, tart tatin or fruit tart. Did you like, um, you know, like croque madame and croque monsieur? Yes, yeah. Like, it's, like, it's like ham and cheese toasty sandwiches, aren't they? Yeah. 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 What else is it? I, keep, I, feel like I feel like there's someone really forgetting something, but like it's like good steak, good wine. I just think it's more interesting than the British like roast. And I think, also I think like the French brassy food, it's just a bigger menu in general. Whereas... Yeah. A British ro- a British roast is it's it's like a particular dish with like um, kind of optional extras or whatever. But it's always got like it's like Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes, either beef, chicken, or pork, um, gravy, um, vegetables. Yeah. I just don't think it's I just don't think it's particularly exciting. I don't care when even when it's cooked really well, I will appreciate a good roast. I'll say I'll say it's good. I was like yeah, and I would. If I was going to a restaurant and, and it was a nice restaurant, I would happily get one. Yeah. But when I hear people saying this, they're like one of their favorite cuisines ever, like the, you know what they'd have if you're on death row or something. I'm thinking, there's hold no on, way. hold yeah, on, no way. just that. calm down, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> some yeah. for my last meal, you know. Fuck yeah, you. there's <laughs> I'm having a boss. I'm boss and I'm a laugh me on Exactly. <laughs> I think people get way too carried away, but I'm, I think I said a British bashing for one evening, so I'll, I'll just stop myself. <laughs> We're British, we can bash it, man. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, to be fair. Well, uh, yeah, well, because um, it, it's, a, it's a bastion of white Britain, isn't it? Um, there was something I wanted to ask you. 
um, one of the um, probably big talking points of the first um, podcast episode, one that we one that we were um, referencing to this one, yeah. is that you said um, in the uh, in the episode that you see yourself as being black more than being gay, and I'd say in the way that you were talking about it, it was like quite a big way. I was wondering if you mm-hmm. changed on that um, um, at any point. Uh... Nope. Black first. Everything else comes after that. I've seen... It's not a topic I've gone too deep into, but I've, I've, it does come up on Twitter um, from time to time amongst, like, you know, our black LGBT friends. Um, and uh, I've not explored the topic enough, but I know some people are quite against that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. But for me, what's shaped my life... I think they've both shaped my life experiences and my outlook and things that have happened to me. Um but black first, though, always. What we always say, um, with that last point, like in terms of like, you're saying that both of them have shaped your life. Yeah, so, um, so I know they're both important. So maybe some people would think it's not particularly productive to try and rank one over the other. Yeah. But to me, it's you no know, black first, always. That's, that's what I was more aware of from as early as I can remember. Um, if I see a black person from any part of the world, from any other culture, I'm excited. I love seeing black from all over the world. Like when it comes to like the LGBT community, it's just not comparable. I might be like, oh, it's another gay person, or or it's you know a lesbian, or it's it's a trans person. But I don't really feel a sense of kinship with LGBT people that I do with being black. And like literally, it's for me, it's nothing else that comes higher than that. Um, that's how I feel. For yourself? So, um, I agreed with you back then. And I don't think I agree with you. Yeah, I don't think I, I think I, I feel the same way anymore. I think mm-hmm. when you said that, like, um, there are people who think that it's not productive for you to think of your identity in these two, like in these two things, your blackness and your queerness, I think it's, um, I, I would say that it's not really helpful to think of them as two things you need to put one above the other. And I would, I would challenge you on the thinking that, like, because um, obviously, like, we're black people, and it is, but it is correct that, like, me as a black man, like, I was aware of being black before me being aware of being queer, for instance. But like, mm-hmm. um, but I think like, I could, like, I would have been proud of being, I would, or I would have been more outwardly, um, black or identify with my blackness because. Of some shame about my queerness. So because I had some shame run that, about, run that by him again. Sorry. Oh, so what I'm trying to say is that like I would have um, identified being black before I identified myself as being gay or a queer man because um, I think I there was still some shame there with my queerness. Okay. Which I'm work, which obviously we're working to eradicate. So mm-hmm. I'm um, I'm really trying. To, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm not really entertaining. Um, that like that kind of way of thinking anymore. I feel for me, the reason why I am not too bothered by the ranking question is because being like I think it's just such a monumental part of my identity and my outlook. Like nothing compares. So it's not it's not like it's not a case of being gay is like a close contender. It's just not even on the same level. Like it's it's like it's core to my identity being black. So. I don't even see it as 
it's not even they're not even the same weight category. Like you had like two boxers, for example. It's just it's just such a big deal, like blackness being black, and the way I, you know, see things in life. That nothing it dwarfs everything else absolutely, and I think I, that, that that's why it shouldn't even be. Yeah, I would challenge you on that as well. Um, obviously, like being like I agree with you. Like me being a black person is just like it's, it's just who I am. It's central to my. It's completely central to my identity. It is that way. It always has been. It won't. It won't ever be. But so it's always obviously me being queer. Me being a gay man. Like I was born this way. I have like I've always had this experience. It's been, um, it's been, it's been tantamount to my experiences before I was even aware of it. Okay. It's always, always been there, and I think so. And I think the way, um, where I've come to it is, is that like, like I said, I'm not trying to rank one. I'm not trying to think of one being a part of me, and this one being like another part of me that I need to think of, like, or I need to think of, or separately, or something like that. These are just like, just to me being black is me being queer. Is just the way I was born, just where I am, just where I see things, whether I want, whether I want to or not. And the only difference is that I was aware of one before the aware of the other, like like consciously, consciously aware mm-hmm. of it before the other. So that's the only real difference. And going like I guess when I mean we will see ice on it, which is fine, but expand what like expanding further on that point is that for instance, I think that let's say um of, like we both have encountered like people in the LGBT community. Who have been racist? Who have um? Who exposed been exposed like anti-blackness, anti-black sentiment, which both of us would rightly come down on like with a ton of bricks. But we know like so many people in our black community who have said like who have said and acted in like really homophobic ways and really harmful ways that we just give a pass to. Um. I'm trying to work what what your point is. Like, um, like I hear what you're saying, but I just my point just, is yeah. essentially that yeah, is that I think that it's I don't think it's helpful for you or for your development to think about it in that way. But what the, the approach I'm taking is it's not like right, it's not like. There's been some conference in my head and it's been decided that oh, the two most important issues are being black and being gay. It's a case of being black is important and everything else is of lesser importance, but still makes me who I am, obviously. Yeah. It's just like I've got a central issue and everything else is a side piece, which doesn't diminish their importance. It just means this one particular factor, this aspect just dwarfs everything. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm not going to pay attention to the other aspects, but um, it's just, it's monumental. Um, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think it's just that it doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't detract from me being gay by being a black person. It's just a case of I'm black. That is the most central thing to my identity, and nothing else will 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 ever like you know be able to remove that from center stage essentially, because it affects so many aspects in life. And it's just that, and I don't see it as, and because it's so big, I don't see it as a competition because this one issue is massive. But the way you describe it, like the way you're like the way you describe it, makes it seem as if it is. So when you're saying like um, that, um, your blackness is like better like the number one thing, and everything else doesn't doesn't like clearly you're clearly you're ranking them. 
it's not it's not ranking though because it's it's a case of if I was ranking them, I'd have to consider and weigh them up and think, oh, you know what? I agree with that it doesn't. Even, it's not even. I don't even need to discuss it. it. It's just the fact that it's just massive and it's the most important thing. I haven't had to take time to like analyze it. It just is. That's fine. All I'm saying is that there's, like I said, there is this whole. There's, I mean, I don't even want to say whole other because, like, to me, like, I feel like these two things are just, are just, are just things that I can't check. I can't change about myself. And I'm trying, I'm trying to start to think of them as like one whole thing rather than like two two separate things that that go with each other or next to each other or concurrently or whatever. Like, because the only reason, mm-hmm. the only way that the reason why that we think of we, we think of our blackness and our queerness in these two separate ways because like both of them have been shunned by two separate groups but if it wasn't like that I don't think we'd have to have that issue I guess no I, I understand that point to be fair yeah it's interesting food for thought I'd be interested to see what other people think of this as well we should flag it up when we post it as well I want to, I want to see what people think so yes, it's actually it's actually been a long time since we've um since we've done a spotlight. Um it's kind of it started off strong and then it kind of fell away. But it's something that I am quite passionate about doing. I mean, for anyone who listens to it, hopefully if you're um if you're a queer black person or a queer person of colour, whether you're Asian, whether you're Latinx, whatever your background is, um this bit could be something that you can take, something that you might need, a service, a um, business, a person, anything that might be of interest to us. Um, on social media, I've seen a lot from um, a sexual health charity. Um, they're called NAS, um, NAS UK. Um, they are a, they call, they <laughs> interesting, they call it a BAME-led sexual health agency working to address sexual health inequalities in BAME communities. Now, um, we literally just spent like an hour talking about how we don't like the term BAME. <laughs> It has its uses, though, I guess. It does have its uses, and I think, yeah, when they say it, um, like, we know what they mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, reading their website, um, they're saying they have 29 years of experience working across London to provide culturally-specific interventions to BAME communities disproportionately impacted by poor sexual, reproductive and HIV outcomes. And they have um, a national outreach through their events and programmes. Um, they were basically formed in the um, early 90s by the late HIV and gay rights activist Shivananda Khan in memory of Nazir, who was a Pakistani Muslim. Um, he was married with two children. He was an HIV positive man, but he was in the closet. So basically a closet gay man who um, he had AIDS. When his data became public, he was rejected by his mosque, ostracised by the community and found no social support. Um, or no one understood that he had more than one identity, and so he was uh, set up in his um, set up in his memory. Um, so they do um, they offer HIV care support, they offer well well being and counselling, offer community programs, and um, they do lots of work on policy and advocacy. So um, that's just something that's just yeah a group that I think would be of interest to all of us. Um, in our in our episode notes, there will be links to um, now and on our Instagram. There'll be something about them um, in the week in the week following this um, this podcast episode. So that's it. That's Nas UK. That's a sexual health charity. That's for BAME people. So for black um, black queer people, Asian queer people, any any other minority ethnics. 
So yeah, um, that's it. Great. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'd both like to wish you a happy and prosperous 2021. Uh, this is Black Boy, Black Boy Joy Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Black Boy Joy Podcast. We also have a Twitter account, which is at BLK Boy Joy Pod. Um, you can get in touch with us on any of these pages. Any feedback is always welcomed. Our email address is blackboyjoypodcast at gmail.com. I want to say it is. Fabulous. Um, and thanks for listening. And it's goodbye from me, Kieran. Goodbye from me, ASB. Goodbye. Why did you do that? Why did you say your name like that? <laughs> too many uh, BBC shows. Yeah, like <laughs> quiz, quiz right at the end of it, yeah. We did that before.